0: Should this be a moment in medicine? (laughs) Where normal, healthy childbirth is concerned, what role does the intervention of medical techniques rightly have? Who or what should be in charge? Midwife, mum or medicine?
1: Push again, okay? One shoulder at a time,
0: Linnea. Oh, my God. In North America, we're told... Medical intervention has become the norm, with caesarean section becoming amazingly commonplace. Here's a recollection from the 1950s. When I had my second baby in Canada,
1: the routine was complete anaesthesia, episiotomy, pull the baby out with forceps. Every baby was delivered by forceps.
0: Childbirth, it goes almost without saying, is not a disability, not the end of an illness. Women, whether giving birth or helping other women give birth, are the experts. And that woman, Jean Donison, is one of our experts, as you'll hear. A historian of social policy, as well as a mother. I'm Nick Baker, and this Moments in Medicine podcast is about midwives and the medicalisation of childbirth. Nowadays, in Britain at least, it's the mums and midwives who do the delivery work and still the doctors, obstetricians, who sign it off, as it were, or get involved where the midwife is faced with medical complications, quote, beyond her expertise. That tension between the midwife and the doctor is often evident in childbirth scenarios today, and it has a long and vivid history midwifery features as the oldest legitimate female profession as old as recorded history dr elizabeth hurran is a medical historian at oxford brooks university in the 16th century she points out reproduction had a special status
2: the first thing we have to understand is that a woman's body is a sacred space during the reformation it is regarded as the source of life the source of creation. The women who were pregnant would have prayed to the Virgin Mary. And consequently, a woman's pregnancy will be managed by a midwife. The midwife will often be, in many European countries, licensed by a bishop. The reason that she's licensed is that during the childbirthing process, if it looks like the child might die, her first role is to christen the child so that, as it were, its soul ascends into heaven.
0: And the expertise at this point is transmitted, not professionally, but just from person to person.
2: Yes, it's often said that it goes literally from chest to chest, mother to daughter, daughter to aunt, aunt to cousin. Women share this knowledge. Often midwifery ran in families. Common midwives were often the most skilled because they're used to dealing with all of the problems of pregnancy that they see.
0: The greater the caseload, the more the experience and skill.
2: Absolutely, that's exactly right. And, in fact, a doctor would only be called in in an absolute emergency.
0: But it's important to recognise there's a diversity of levels of midwifery. The practice could be local, informal and community-based, but it could also be highly professional. Historian Jean Donison.
1: There are the midwives who are highly trained, having served an apprenticeship with another suitably trained older woman, whom they pay a large sum of money and go and work for and live with for several years before they start out on their own.
0: So it's wrong to think of midwives as kind of untrained and dealing simply with inherited wisdom. They, they were quite professional.
1: Some were, and they were hired by aristocracy and royalty. The earliest reference I have for that is uh, John of Gorm, the Duke of Lancaster, in 1372. Telling his receiver for Leicester to organise the wise woman of Leicester to be brought to Hartford Castle, where his wife is about to give birth. And he must make sure that she has either a horse or a chariot, but so she's at her ease. And later, she's paid a pension, it's in the audit accounts, and the reference is to our well loved Ellen, midwife of Leicester. So she was highly thought of.
0: Midwives? changed the course of history and the most fashionable ones, like those engaged by the succession-obsessed court of Henry VIII, weren't necessarily the best ones. Had Henry hired a more experienced, less highfalutin midwife, England could have been very different. Or is that just a myth? Dr Elizabeth Huron.
2: It is not a myth, except in one case, Catherine of Aragon, when she gave birth to a boy child, who very sadly died soon afterwards, We know in that particular case, because it's well documented, that in fact there was a very skilled midwife on hand. However, generally, it is true that royal and elite women tended to have a less skilled midwife, ironically, than a common midwife. But again, it's based on the fact that these common midwives are just so practised at what they're doing.
0: Dr Elizabeth Huron on the accumulation of expertise and experience gained by midwives. But in the 17th and 18th century, science and scientific inquiry started to ascend. The kind of medicine practised by barbers and apothecaries was taken over by men of science, styling themselves medical doctors, and science was a male preserve. Childbirth, though, a female one. A new figure, the man-midwife, entered the birth chamber. But who should be in charge, men or women? Lucy Reed, head of information services at the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists, shows me an image in a book dated 1793. It's an image which literally splits the man and woman midwife down the middle.
3: The image is from the frontispiece of a book called uh, The Man, man Midwifery Detected, which was a sort of a tract against the involvement of male medical practitioners in the childbirth experience, in the birth chamber, and so on and so forth. The image shows on the left hand side the picture of a doctor, surrounded by pestles and mortars and ointments and lotions and so on. And behind him are an array of fairly scary looking iron objects and instruments like forceps and so on.
0: So the man's half of the image is all to do with science and the profession of being a doctor.
3: Exactly, yeah. And then the right hand side of the picture, it's the same face, but the the rest of the body is the female body. So she's in a nice cosy dress and she's obviously in somebody's bedroom she has no scary implements and so on and the illustration is showing the masses of tension around the medicalization of childbirth during the 18th century
0: but this book and you're handling the actual original is an argument which says
3: that men probably should leave this to women thank you very much
0: (laughs) and uh, for some that idea has persisted ever since hasn't it
3: there are tensions between midwifery and obstetrics, but it's not a it's not any more a difference between male practitioners and female practitioners
0: here at the museum you have. Exhibits, which kind of quite graphically show.
3: Yep, indeed. We have a lot of very graphic exhibits. They do kind of make people wince a bit, especially if you've even experienced the birth experience for yourself. So seeing arrays of forceps and sort of developments in forceps does tend to make people sort of blanch a little bit. Let's do it.
0: Blanch. Let's blanch.
3: <laughs> right. This is a forcep designed by a group of man midwives known as the Chamberlain family, and they were a group of French Huguenots who escaped from France during the Saint Bartholomew massacres, came over and set up shop in Southampton originally and then moved up to London. And they had developed a way of giving or assisting with birth that helped in difficult labours and so on. But The way that medicine happened at the time, it's not like science now where if you have an invention, you develop a new theory, you write about it, you tell all your peers, they critique it and so on, and, and science develops through that peer review process. Back in the day, the Chamberlains had this fancy invention, which we now know of as the forceps, but they kept it to themselves, and they kept it to themselves for several generations because they were able to make quite a lot of money out of being able to deliver difficult births, where otherwise either the mother or the baby, or sometimes both, would have died. It got to the position where it was a, such a fashion to, to have a forceps birth, to have a man, midwife, attend your birth and so on, that people had forceps deliveries even when we would think that no intervention was necessary. People were skilled at using these instruments, and they used their skill and their experience and so on to develop extra twiddles and knobs and bells and whistles and so on on the instruments, so you'll see in this display here that all these instruments have an, a name attached and that's because they've individually been developed by these people. Smelly who is a very famous man midwife made his own developments to a basic set of forceps but then somebody else will have come along and thought well actually it'll work for me better in a given presentation so if the baby's coming out in a particular direction it would be better if there was a bigger curve here or this bit was Wider and flatter, or more open, and so on, and so forth. So, each of these people who've named these instruments have added an extra bit to our understanding of how birth operates, the sort of the mechanics of it.
0: The development of those mechanics, the science of childbirth, was unquestionably hijacked by the men of science in the 18th century. But nowadays, as we've heard, the tension between medicine and midwifery is no longer so strictly split down male-female lines. All the same, the doctors in charge. But 73% of newly qualified specialists are in fact women, according to figures from the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists. Need you to stand up
3: here, okay, so we can pass baby through your legs.
0: The next time you have a baby and the midwife rolls her or his eyes when the doctor sweeps in, you might reflect that the struggle for power still goes on. Although history might not be uppermost in your mind.